Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. Lots to talk about today. By the way, Bill Knight is off today. He's uh, he's on the road and he's out of out of touch. But he will be back tomorrow. So uh, I'm flying solo. But I wanted to give you an update and give you an idea of what is going on. And there is a lot going on in our world right now. One of the most disturbing things that's happening is in the Russian theater of operations near the Ukraine in neighboring Belarus. Would you believe word is now that Russia has moved tactical nuclear weapons into Belarus? You're saying, well, haven't they always had uh, weapons there? From what I understand, no. Uh, this is a, a new development. You're, you're saying, well, how is it a threat to us? Well, essentially, these are short-range nuclear weapons, and they are targeting Europe. And, of course, if uh, anything were to develop or they were to use them on any NATO country, then, of course, we get drawn into that. And also, in case you haven't heard, uh, the Russians are are actually winning in uh, the Ukraine. I know you don't hear this on mainstream radio or TV, for that matter, but it is happening. The Russians are celebrating the victory of a major city, uh, very much like uh, the one they had a couple of months back. So they are they are progressing, and uh, you don't hear this from the other side. As a matter of fact, you hear a lot of discontent on the side of the Ukrainians. So uh, we are going to watch that. 2024 looks like a difficult year for uh, Mr. Zelensky and the Ukrainian army. Uh, he, he threatened when he was in this country that he was going to uh, start drafting people over the age of 40 and that uh, it, it, if they lose the war, it was going to affect American fathers and brothers and sons. So it uh, sounds a, a bit desperate, and uh, it's going to be a difficult year, like I said, for... Uh, the battle in the Ukraine. Uh, in case you haven't heard it, there's a, the guy who leads the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros Adhanom, and I can't even pronounce the last name without, uh, I think it's uh, Gabriasis. <laughs> I think I just ruined his name. Uh, he de- They declared war on on meat and traditional farming. You're saying, why would he do that? Well, uh, there's been a, a theory going around that this is not a, a new plan on the part of the WHO. They're part of the the World Health Organization, they say, is part of the global deep state. And um, it's, it's not really working on our side. This uh, Dr. Tedros, during the pandemic, was really pushing the vaccines. And he's not, from what I understand, a medical doctor. He sells himself, you know, he's with the World Health Organization, you would assume. But from what I understand, he's not a medical doctor. But anyway, he had this to say. Listen. Our food systems are harming the health of people and planet. Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions and account for almost one-third of the global burden of disease. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting towards healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. If food systems delivered healthy diets for all, we could save 8 million lives per year. 
WHO is committed to supporting countries to develop and implement policies to improve diets and fight climate change. I'm therefore very pleased that over 130 countries have signed the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health. Together, we can protect and promote the health of both people and planet. I thank you. Dr. Tedros from the WHO. Think about that for a second. They want to go after our farming system, our agricultural system, uh, our use of meat and meat products. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They've been doing this, by the way, for quite some time. They're just being more open about it right now. And, you know, you hear stories like that. And then the one we had yesterday about uh, Bill and Melinda Gates and their foundation wanting to chip entire countries, digitally chip entire countries of of people, uh, it makes you wonder what really is going on. And, of course, the latest story from our border is driving everybody a, a bit crazy. In case you haven't heard, I'm talking thousands, tens of thousands of people moving towards the, the southern border. And uh, they were making their final push, they said, starting Christmas Day. Uh, the largest migrant caravan, over 15,000 illegal immigrants pushing towards our border. Think about that for a second. In uh, New Jersey, Representative Jeff Andrew was being interviewed yesterday. He's not terribly happy with what's happening. This is unbelievable. You couldn't make this up. And to put it in perspective as well, a few more months since Biden has been president, the number of illegal immigrants into this country will be pretty much the equivalent of a high population state like New Jersey or the city of New York. You can't make it up, but it's terrible. And it's not complicated. Here's the deal. You know, they're going to have meetings in Mexico. You know, it's great to have the meetings, but you have to have good public policy, and it's easy. Finish the wall, you know, remain in Mexico policy, immediately expediting people back, end catch and release, hire many more border patrol to keep an eye on what's going on, close the border in simple English. There are so many ways to do this. It's not complicated, and I'm going to be a little, maybe some people will think is bold, but I'm telling the truth. This administration purposely wants to change the social structure and the fabric of the United States of America. This doesn't happen by accident. You know, when Joe Biden became president, they were there at the border, they were getting ready, and they all had Joe Biden t-shirts on. When Donald Trump was president, this didn't happen, and our numbers were going down to record lows. It's not complicated. This isn't nuclear science. It's easy to do. Congressman, here's uh, the New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, talking about uh, this issue. The federal government must stop this because, you know, there's a lot of people on the sideline that talk about this issue. Trust me, they don't want to be in the seat right now. Now, Congressman, up until 2020, you were a Democrat. The Democratic Party seems to not have a solution for this. Is that fair to say? But Republicans, how can you get something done with the numbers that you have in Congress? Is there anything that can be done around the well, edges that maybe doesn't deal with we did, First of all, we passed H.R. 2, which is a great bill that does all of the above, closes the border, uh, puts finishes the wall, hires more uh, Border Patrol agents, and has them do their job 
and catch and release, immediately expedite back to the country of origin and stay in Mexico policy. You do all that, you won't have a problem. And the Democrats know this. They want this to happen. It's one of many reasons that I left the party. They're hurting the United States of America. And I'm going to call out Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. He wanted to be a sanctuary city. This is what you get. It's not just a political watchword. It's a real thing. When you're a sanctuary city, it means that you welcome them. It means that you pay for them. It means that you give them housing. You give them transportation. That you you will not cooperate with federal authorities that want to send them back. He got what he asked for. New York City, unfortunately, got. It's a city I love. It's a city I was born in. But they've got what they asked for. We have to change our ways. He shouldn't be shocked. Democrats are out acting shocked and surprised. It's their policies. It's the policies they enacted. It's their border they'd allowed to be open. They have to be called out. They have to close it up. The Senate needs to pass H.R. 2 that does all the above, and we'll go back to normal. It's that simple. Representative Jeff Van Drew from New Jersey. Think about that for a second. New Jersey is the 11th largest state by population uh, in the country, and the number of illegals in our country right now is greater than the size of the state of New Jersey. And, of course, growing by the day. And I just mentioned a little while ago, another 15,000 on a major march right now towards uh, the United States. And what is our administration doing? Absolutely nothing. I guess they're now trying to uh, at least look like they're doing something. There's supposed to be some uh, meeting in Mexico. Uh, It's a day late and a dollar short. What they should do very simply is send down uh, the troops to the border. This is the only way to stop it right now. I know it sounds militaristic, but it's the only way to stop it right now is literally line the border with troops and allow no one in, at least temporarily, until the people on the other side uh, figure that it's, uh, it's hopeless to come across the Rio Grande. But right now, it's uh, an open-door policy. And uh, what's Joe Biden doing? Well, he was on Christmas vacation, in case you didn't know. He was up in Camp David with his family to celebrate Christmas Day. Had a wonderful time. He arrived back late yesterday uh, via motorcade. The weather in Washington wasn't all that great. So um, they took a motorcade from Camp David in Maryland down to uh, back to D.C. And uh, he got a good night's sleep. And today he's heading to St. Croix in uh, the Virgin Islands. He's going to go down there because he needs another vacation because spending a whole half day in the White House was just... uh, uh, too taxing for him. So he'll be uh, vacationing again. The guy spends more time on vacation than just about anybody. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the fact that he's not doing day-to-day business is better for the health of our country uh, in the long run. Uh, but anyway, uh, he is he's, he's heading down there, bringing his golf clubs. He's on his way. In case you haven't heard, uh, in California, uh, which was once a glorious state and people used to race out there because it was the state of opportunity uh, for a lot of things, not just Hollywood, that was one area, but for industry and for opportunity, it was, it was the place to be. Now they're leaving in droves. Listen to this. Major, two major Pizza Hut operators in California will be laying off all of their delivery drivers thanks to a new law that raises the minimum wage to $20 per hour 
for fast food employees, $20 an hour. And, they, and they're wondering why they're, they're laying off their, uh, their delivery drivers. Like I say, figure, hey, look, we can make more money with people just walking in. We'll discount the pizzas by a couple of bucks, and uh, it'll make it worth uh, the customer's while to come in and get them, and, and we'll end up being a, uh, in a better condition in the long run. But uh, $20 an hour to, to deliver pizza. And the companies are they're fighting back. Another thing that was very sad to read about, this happened in Grand Central. I used to work in New York. Grand Central, when I was there back in the late 70s, was a, a very safe kind of place. It really was tens of thousands of people uh, passed in and out of Grand Central. It, it's still the same way today. It is a, a real center of, uh, of life. Uh, but it was safe. There was a lot of security, a lot of policemen. Uh, you never expected anything bad to happen. A peaceful Christmas day turned grim at Grand Central Terminal. That's By the way, that's how you, it, people say Grand Central Station, but it is Grand Central Terminal because Grand Central is an ending point. There's no other uh, destination that you can connect to beyond Grand Central. When you ride into New York, you stop at Grand Central, and they, the track doesn't continue on. If you want to go south on rail, you have to cross town to Penn Station and pick up a train there and continue on. Although I do think they have a subway uh, now that connects the two stations. I'm not sure of that, but I think I read that uh, they had put a connection in. Anyway, uh, an assailant uh, attacked two uh, young girls, 14 and 16. They were visiting from South America. Uh, they were stabbed while they were eating their lunch by an assailant. The attack took place at 11.25 a.m. in the dining concourse of Grand Central while the girls were dining with their parents. They, they, they said, you can't sit in our restaurant. You're not buying food and you're not a customer. You can't be here. Uh, the assailant, his name is uh, Stephen Hutchinson. He's 36 years old. He redirected his rage toward the young tourist. Reportedly, Hutchinson exclaimed, I want all the white people dead. And then he said, I want to sit next to the crackers before he advanced toward the victims with a knife. Authorities responded immediately, apprehending Hutchinson, but not before he had stabbed the uh, two young ladies. The good news is they will recover. Uh, the 16-year-old suffered a stab wound to her back, which slightly injured her lung. Think about that for a second. They, you know, they make it sound like, ah, oh, they're okay. No, it, it got it got it far enough in so it actually touched the lung. Uh, the 14-year-old girl was stabbed in the thigh. You know, if they stabbed you in the thigh in the right area, there are some major arteries that run into your leg and you can bleed out. This guy, he wasn't uh, being nice to them by uh, stabbing them in a, uh, uh, a safe place. He was stabbing them, period. But will this guy get off? I guarantee you that they'll let him out on some ridiculous charge because this is what happens now in New York. The, the city is run amok when it comes to uh, uh, justice. And you can ask a lot of police officers that too, you know. I mean, guys who work day-to-day -day on the street, guys who expect the city to act uh, uh, like a city and, and not a, a, a jungle anyway— uh, I thought you'd be interested in hearing that uh, Grand Central, in a restaurant at uh, Grand Central, who would have thunk? Surfer Matthew Jacob 
made a mysterious discovery while checking out the surfing conditions in Margate, New Jersey uh, yesterday. While checking out the waves, I can't believe guys would go surfing in December, but they do. I guess you put on a wetsuit, and if the waves are good enough, you just do it. While checking out the waves, Jacob spotted what appeared to be plane seats washed ashore. Jacob took a video of his discovery, posted it on Instagram, and a lot of people commented on it. People said, oh, I think that's a seat from the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Now, that would be, that would be a, a major development, to have the seats from that plane, which, by the way, they, they say went down in Southeast Asia, you know, actually off the Indian coast. That's where it was flying. And to have the seats wash up in New Jersey, I, I don't think that that's the case. Uh, also, uh, people are saying, well, that's a seat from Flight 800. Flight 800 went down, what, 1996? Uh, it happened in Long Island Sound. The seats would have had to have gone around Long Island to get to New Jersey. Now, I, I don't think those are the seats from that. But people are speculating, and they're having fun do, doing so. Seats on the beach in New Jersey. Despite a petition against it, uh, a Satan club has been approved by uh, a school district. Uh, this is amazing. This happened, uh, I believe, uh, at a school district in, was it South Carolina? Um, anyway, an Olathe Public Schools spokesperson, I guess uh, that's the name of the town, said that uh, the club application met the criteria to establish a student-initiated club and is now recognized as a student-initiated club in Olathe Northwest High School. Uh, I think sometimes some of these educators are too smart for their own britches. You know, we were a Judeo-Christian society, uh, and we were proud of it for most of my life. Uh, now, I guess anything goes with some of these people. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Disney took a shot yesterday. The state of South Carolina uh, is pulling all of its investment funds from Disney, the, the Disney Corporation, which I guess is substantial. And they're not doing it because it was a financial loser. It was actually, I guess, financially okay. They're doing it because the company's too woke. So uh, some of their policies, their social policies, appear to be uh, hitting them in the in the wallet, which is uh, different. Uh, that's all. I would imagine South Carolina has millions of dollars invested in the Disney company. Another thing that I thought was interesting, following the uh, decision by the Colorado Supreme Court to remove Trump from the ballot last week, there have been rumors of threats against the judges of the uh, court. As a result, the Denver Police Department has reportedly upped security at the justices' home. That's right. They're saying, ah, oh, yes, those uh, poor justices are being threatened on a daily basis by those terrible right-wing MAGA people. Of course, no one on the left cared for the mere fact uh, that we had actual real threats and people walking around the front yards of U.S. Supreme Courts, like when Kavanaugh had the threat against his life a couple of years ago. I mean, that was that was kind of poo-poo, nothing to see here. But they want you to know that the Colorado Supreme Court justices, they got a problem. That's why when CNN filed a report yesterday to actually uh, take a step back on that story, it came as a surprise, but I guess they figured it's, 
it's just too obvious. We can't continue with this line of, of conversation. So they filed this report uh, yesterday at CNN. The Denver police did have to respond um, to what they said was a hoax report at one of the justices' residences. No specific threats to the justices uh, in those forums from what we understand. So no specific threats at this time that are requiring law enforcement to make arrests. Those are very non-specific threats at this time. There has also been generally law enforcement looking into the discussion about these justices on online forums, particularly uh, some general discussion among extremists uh, and people who are pro-Trump. They can't come out and say that there's no threats against the uh, the Colorado judges. That would be uh, much too fair and much too easy. Uh, they have to come out and say, well, there are no threats, but people have been looking socially online and saying some really nasty stuff. That's not a threat. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of people I know who are very upset with the Colorado justices for doing what they did. They did a stupid and a very un-American thing by trying to pull President Trump off the Colorado ballot. And by the way, I still don't think that is going to stand. I'm sure many of you probably feel the same way. Speaking of activist judges, there are an awful lot of them out there right now, aren't there? I mean, there are there are judges everywhere who are trying to assert authority they really don't have. The guy in New York, he told, uh, I guess he told uh, Letitia James that uh, that Trump is guilty, and he said that before before the case even started. Before the case started, he had made up his mind, and he has said in the past things like, "Well, despite what the law says, my word is final." Things like that. You know, despite what the law is, uh, I'm the final arbiter here. You know, that's the kind of guy we're dealing with in New York. And we have the uh, Judge Chutkin down in D.C. who worked with Hunter Biden in a law office. And he has a relationship with the Biden family. She has a relationship with the, with the Bidens. And now we're supposed to believe that she's going to be impartial, that she's going to be just that she's going to be fair to Donald Trump. And you see what happened to Rudy Giuliani. I mean, whoever would have thought that a, a finding of, of, what, $148 million against Rudy Giuliani, money that he doesn't have, by the way. He's not that. Well, he's probably got a few bucks, but nowhere near that kind of money. But they don't care about that. They want to crush the man. They don't care for the fact that he's an older gentleman. Oh, I guess he's pushing 80, and that he was once the hero of New York City during the 9-11 crisis. Uh, that, that's not important to these on the left. They want to crush him, and if he dies as a result, so be it. Recently, Laura Ingram had some comments about activist judges. Listen. An activist judge who greenlighted Jack Smith's request to compile data on Trump supporters. The story on her gets worse and worse. Judge Beryl Howell, who spearheaded the judiciary's response to January 6th, reportedly warned in a speech last night that the country is creeping toward authoritarianism. According to Politico, she said January 6th was based on the big lies, sounds like MSNBC, and quoted a Boston College historian who said big lies are springboards for authoritarians. Now, how can President Trump expect to receive a fair trial here? Of course he can't. And why should this rank partisan be allowed to oversee 
any aspect of any case involving anyone in Trump world. So what are the remedies here for Trump and others? Joining me now, Fox News contributor Saul Weisenberg, former deputy independent counsel, and Mike Davis, founder and president of the Article 3 Project. Now, Mike, let's start with you. To be fair, you know, this is nothing new for Judge Howell. She has a history of, of using charge language when speaking about January 6th. She once referred to the protest as about the most fascistic thing she'd ever seen and saying it was more like a mob that was like the Nazis and the fascists that day. Uh, Mike, what's the recourse for the Trump team here? Yeah, that's a very good question. She is a highly partisan actor. She's an Obama judge. She used to work as a Democrat staffer on the Senate Judiciary Committee for the chairman, Patrick Leahy. She was a former federal prosecutor with Loretta Lynch and Andrew Weissman. She co-authored a legal paper with Andrew Weissman from the Mueller probe. She supervised the Mueller probe. She's been the harshest sentencer of January 6th defendant. She even pressured the DOJ to sentence them more harshly. She seized a congressman's phone, which was overturned by the D.C. Circuit. She made Trump's attorneys turn over attorney-client privilege records and didn't give them time to appeal before she made them turn them over. And now she's going after Twitter with an illegal warrant with Jack Smith to get all these records that the government is not entitled to have. She is a left-wing activist. Saul, I mean, this is why Justice Scalia believe that these roving independent special prosecutors were constitutionally problematic, correct? I mean, there's no oversight, there's no real accountability here, but is there any recourse at all for the Trump team given these comments made by her and some of the previous comments about how Trump's a flight risk and, and all these other ridiculous comments she's made? The, there's very little recourse when you realize that they're they're within the the D.C. U.S. District Court system. I can't stress enough, Laura, how uh, dangerous this is. You know, the independent judiciary is the crown jewel of the American system, and when a judge doesn't can't can't shed her his or her political role it does tremendous damage uh, to that you know i clerked for a judge on the second circuit j daniel mahoney he was co-founder of the new york state conservative party that got al d'amato elected and james buckley elected but when he went on the second circuit that ended he never gave a speech of any kind that was in any way political you have to realize this when you put on the robe she's She's made a number of very, what I consider, inappropriate comments. And I think the, just bringing it to the public's attention, public shaming, filing any motion that you can is, is you know, the, rec the, the most realistic recourse you have right now. Now, Mike Politico um, said, this is back in 2021, that Judge Howell believed that the feds were being too lenient against January 6th defendants saying that charges against some might under, understate the gravity of their actions because the chaos they contributed diverted police from more threatening members of the crowd. Uh, Mike, she's out for, you know, blood, legally speaking. You know, what, what, what does that say for Trump's case there in D.C.? 
Well, there's no chance that President Trump is going to get a fair trial in D.C. She supervised the grand jury proceedings. She railroaded him, as we discussed, by making his attorney turn over notes. She threatened Twitter and said that if Twitter, uh, Twitter couldn't even tell Trump that she that Jack Smith was getting his records because he was supposedly a flight risk, like he was going to escape from Trump was going to escape from his Secret Service protection. She fined Twitter three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. $7,000 an hour for being 51 hours late and responding to a subpoena by Jack Smith, signed by her for millions of pages of records. She is a partisan activist, and the Supreme Court needs to, needs to actually do its job and correct this. Uh, and Saul, I thought the Democrats don't care. I mean, they always talked about norms and they respected institutions. They don't care that this is killing the public's faith in the judiciary. They don't care. Do you remember how upset they got? I know this is ancient history now, but, you know, I worked for Ken Starr, and we subpoenaed Kramer bookstores. Oh, yeah. So we didn't do a search warrant. We just subpoenaed Kramer books in D.C. to corroborate Monica Lewinsky's story, and the press went crazy, went crazy. So, no, they don't care. Uh, they don't care. They're completely hypocritical. All right, Saul, Mike, thanks so much. It's not just me uh, talking about activist judges. You hear it there, Laura Ingram on Fox and her guest. Uh, it's something that's very real, and uh, they seem to be more open about it right now. It's more accepted. It's like, oh, okay, sure, it doesn't, doesn't really follow our laws, but that's okay because, well, we can do it now because the environment says we can, and the people on the left say we can too. Another thing that uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, in case you haven't heard this, who would you think would probably deserve, other than President Trump, who would probably deserve to be protected by this Secret Service uh, the most on the presidential campaign trail right now? I mean, there's a lot of guys. I guess they all deserve it. But you would particularly think that maybe Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would have Secret Service because of the history of the family. But uh, that's not the case. Uh, this is amazing. The Desert News reports that Robert Kennedy Jr., son of slain 1968 presidential candidate Robert Kennedy Sr., and the nephew of slain President John F. Kennedy, is being turned down for protection from the Secret Service. This is not the first time that's happened. I believe it's happened four other times, or three other times. This could be the fourth time. Biden's Department of Homeland Security the Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who cannot protect our borders, who has done absolutely nothing to keep us safe on the borders. He's allowed pedophiles to come across and millions of pounds, I'm sure, of drugs, fentanyl. That's come across, no problem. But security for Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? No, no, that, that would be a waste of taxpayer money. So he's denied it. It's not warranted, he says. Not warranted. The fact that Two of his family members, his father and his uncle, were assassinated while in office. That's of no importance or relevance to this Mayorkas. Uh, the guy is the guy is shameless about his his arrogance and his uh, his he his ignoring what is the obvious. You know, it is obvious the border should be protected. Not a big deal. I'm not going to do that, Alejandro Mayorkas. I mean, listen, listen to what he said about the border not too long ago. Is our border secure? 
our border is secure. Border is secure because we are maximizing our resources to deliver the most effective results to our border with the most extraordinary workforce in the world. I mean, the guy is a blatant liar. It's, the, it's, it's absolutely secure. Listen. The border is not open. It has not been open, and it will not be open subsequent to May 11th. Guy's amazing. The guy, he, he has, he's shameless. He has sat in senatorial and uh, House of Representative hearings and looked directly across the table at uh, our representatives, and he's lied blatantly lied, obviously lied, without shame or fear of repercussion. The guy is just, uh, he's, his arrogance is overwhelming, and, you know, nothing happens to the guy. We saw they, they brought up a, a resolution to have him impeached from office about uh, two or three weeks ago, and even the spineless rhino Republicans didn't have the gonads to actually do it. When push came to shove, they all cowered and backed away. That's another thing I wanted to talk to you about today, too. You know, they're, they're talking about uh, there's a possibility that there are more sex tapes uh, that we haven't seen from our government representatives, people who are down there who are supposed to be doing our business or doing their business uh, shamelessly. And uh, apparently there are videotapes of of them uh, in those uh, positions, and uh, uh, they have been blackmailed. This was something which we heard uh, from one of the representatives, I think it was Chip Roy, who said, hey, it happens. Uh, people go down there, and uh, they're suckered into a sexual relationship of some kind, come to find out it was staged and planned, and the whole thing was videotaped, and now they got them. They got them, and that's, what happens is uh, they'll go in to vote on something, and they'll get a phone call, and they'll say, you know, representative or senator, uh, I understand you're going to vote for this, uh, this bill, but we would like that you not do that. And why is that? Because if you do vote for that bill like you say you're going to, we're going to have to um, release a videotape we have of you uh, in uh, compromising positions. Let's just put it to, to you that way. We have that tape. You were at the blankety-blank hotel, weren't you, uh, with uh, that young lady or young guy? Well, we got videotape of it, and it's not going to be really good for your re-election uh, possibilities. So if you know what's good for you, you'll vote against it. And that's what's happening right now down in D.C. It's not all black and white down there, folks. I mean, if, if you think that the, these people have gone down there and they're just doing our job, think again. As soon as they get there, they're approached by PAC members and people who want influence, and they offer them different things. At first, is, I'm sure it's very subtle. It's almost like satanic. You know, it's almost like uh, here. Yeah, you sure you can have. You want to go to that game? We'll get you some tickets. No big deal. That's not a big deal. But all of a sudden, uh, the 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 gifts get bigger and the more attractive. And before you know it, they have the representative or senator hooked. And uh, that's what we're looking at right now in the swamp. They don't call it the swamp for nothing. I mean, uh, th this is it's uh, it's a swamp filled with quicksand. Speaking of uh, being in compromising situations 
Uh, an association with late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein has become a stain in someone's reputation that does not easily fade from the world's memory, as many rich and famous people have learned. The ultimate example of that may be the Duke of York, Prince Andrew, who lost titles, he lost privileges, he lost patronages, uh, he became an outcast in the British royal family after the constant, relentless reporting of his ties with Epstein. And the Epstein curse just won't go away. Now it surfaces that Prince Andrew is totally tormented as he braces himself for the scandal over his links to pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. There's a, there's a black book that Jeffrey Epstein had of all of the, I guess, uh, people who visited his island and flew on his airplane and what they did, apparently. And it's been said that that book is going to come out very soon. I read last week it was like within two weeks. So it could be any day now. When it comes out, there are only three names of the overall, I guess, 170. Three names have been blotted out, redacted. They were people who were innocent, you know, maybe a pilot or something. Someone who went down there maybe as a, because he was performing a, a, a job and he was not participating in the fun and frivolities <laughs> down at Epstein Island. Uh, Andrew's, uh, it says here, Andrew's name will appear alongside 170 of Epstein's powerful friends, some of whom uh, have not previously been publicly identified. When a, a booklet is unreleased, uh, or actually it's released, Unreleased? I don't know why they put that. Anyway, it's going to be released this week. So that should be interesting. And uh, I understand uh, rumor has it that a former president and maybe a former president's wife uh, is mentioned in that book. Hey, vey. Huh? It's going to be a interesting 2024. It says this is another, another crazy story. Another crazy story. In a devastating outbreak of violence, at least 160 Christians were targeted and killed during what has been described as a very terrifying Christmas in north-central Nigeria's Plateau State. The affected area has seen a surge in violence over the Christmas Eve weekend, resulting in a death toll that has shocked communities and the nation at large, Nigeria. So a lot of Christians, and it wasn't just uh, the farmers, it was their entire family. It was the wife and the children. They were all slaughtered, and it says here it was done by Muslim extremists. So uh, they're having their problems in Nigeria right now. I'd like to see how much uh, we hear about that in the news or whether it's brushed over by the mainstream media, which seems to be the case. But he said, after all, it's only Nigeria. You know, it's only an African nation. Why should we be so concerned? At least that's the the feeling you get sometimes. It seems like what happens in that uh, continent is kind of brushed off, like it's uh, it's not relevant to the world stage. And it is. These are people. These are people and their families. And uh, we should definitely be paying attention because you see what uh, we mentioned this a couple of days ago with the, what the Gates Foundation is going to do with chipping people in, I believe it was Nigeria, uh, they're going to chip them. They're going to put a, a little tracking device in uh, people from cradle to grave. 
This is what they want to do so they can. And it's, it's, it is to the benefit of the people who live there. There are smart people in, I believe, again, it's Nigeria. I could be wrong on the country, but I'll, uh, we can check and talk about it later. But uh, the fact of the matter is this is something which is running into some resistance right now. Because people have said, hey, wait a second, I don't want to be chipped, and I don't want my family chipped, and I don't want you following what we're doing. You know, folks, there's a lot happening in this world that we're not, we're not seeing or learning from the media. The media is no- ignoring so much. I mentioned uh, yesterday on our program that uh, I saw this video, and it was really depressing more than shocking. It showed video of the anchors from local news stations around the country, separate local news stations from around the country, and uh, they were reading a, a story, and the story was being read as if it was a local, locally written, written story, except they started to overlap on this video. The uh, people from other markets reading the exact same story, let's say that this was a CBS-affiliated uh, station, well, they started to run the video from other CBS-affiliated stations around the country, and the only thing in the story that was changed was the reference to the market, the reference to the city. And um, you think that you're getting local news from local anchors, and it's just uh, national copy being read locally. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Comedian Dave Smith, uh, he says we're being yanked around by a lot of people right now. Dave Smith is a funny guy, but he's he's being very serious here. Listen. There are these nexus charts where you can map out words in major publications. I'm not talking about mom and pop news outlets. I'm talking about the New York Times, the Washington Post, like the big dogs. Go track how many times the word racism was mentioned. And around 2012, it shoots up. Yep. Social justice shoots up. Transgenderism shoots up. White privilege shoots up. This was forced on the American people. Why are we having these conversations now? The people did not wake up one day and decide we want to have a national conversation about chicks with dicks. That didn't happen. This wasn't an organic movement. It was all of the most powerful people decided this is what we're going to talk about. And why was that? Because it's the perfect look. When you're failing on policy, you pivot to a culture war. You pit people against each other, so they're fighting each other. We had in this country, we had an Occupy Wall Street movement where leftists were standing outside of big banks screaming, we are the 99%. Right-wingers had a populist movement called the Tea Party, where they were outraged about the bailout of big banks, unsustainable debt, government spending. They don't like that. That's not what the powers that be like. You're getting too close. Look, they like you fighting about issues like abortion. Now, I'm not saying abortion isn't a very important issue. It's a very important issue. But us fighting about that issue doesn't scare anyone at the Federal Reserve. It doesn't scare anyone in the CIA. They don't care if you fight about that issue. They love you fighting over transgender bathrooms. Yep. They have no and you can see this every day. They're stoking this culture war because they have to to distract from the fact that they completely failed on everything else. That's comedian Dave Smith on the Patrick Bet Davin podcast a couple of days ago. And uh, he's a funny guy, but he's not being funny there. He's being I think he's being right on the money. Right on the money. And uh, this is not happening by happenstance, what's happening in our world. There is an agenda. Everything that's going on outside of our lives uh, in the Ukraine, in the Middle East, uh, all those things that are happening now because there's trouble down near Venezuela, 
uh, this this warships that are off the coast of is it Guyana? I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening, and it's all intentional. It's all a distraction. It's all to keep us uh, occupied so that we don't see what's really happening in our world, that our rights are being removed, that uh, liberties that we've expected for centuries are being decimated because of the uh, the creeps in the world who want to control us. And there are a lot of them out there, folks. You know, uh, I, I don't. I, I was going to save this for later in the week, but uh, there's a piece of audio from Glenn Beck, who I who I like. I think he's a, he's a good talk show host. Uh, he did this uh, a while back. I'm not sure exactly when he did it, uh, but it shows his frustration with what's going on in the world, and uh, it's a, it's a little long, but I think it's worth listening to, especially as we wind up 2023 and approach 2024. Glenn Beck. I think I just have to say it like this. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I am worn out. I am fed up. I've had enough. I am tired of exposing corruption, doing our homework, finding, going overseas and having documents translated to make sure they're exactly right, presenting the evidence. We know what's happening, except then once we expose it, nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a damn thing anymore. Nothing. If you and I did half the things that people in Washington do every day, you and I would go to prison. Clinton got away with it. Even the left knew that the Clinton Foundation was dirty. They sold uranium to our biggest enemy, Russia. Nothing. No. She can take confidential, top secret emails and put them on her server at her home. Something you and I would go to prison for. We would be in prison for the rest of our lives. Not a big deal. Benghazi? No. Not only did we show you that we were gun running to a group in Syria that became ISIS, that's what we were doing in Benghazi. Not only that, but just the killing of a U.S. ambassador, and might I point out on Veterans Day, we abandon our troops. Did anything happen? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nothing. Nothing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of of actually being open and saying, okay, well, let's look into the spying on this presidential candidate. That's a pretty hefty charge. Were they doing it? And then finding out, yes, they were, and nothing happens. <laughs> he was colluding with Russia. My gosh. That should be the biggest scandal of all time if that were true. If it wasn't true and it was started and evidence, paperwork even showed that they knew all the way to the White House. You'd think that would be even a bigger story. Lying to the FISA courts, nothing. Creating an enemies list, nothing. Using our own intelligence agencies to assist in this operation, spending millions of dollars on a claim they knew that wasn't true, the collusion on Russia, they knew it in, before the president was ever elected. The scandal 
the loss of billions of tax dollars in Ukraine, no big deal. The lies and the collusion with the Obama administration in Ukraine, no big deal. Hunter Biden, forget about Burisma. What was that, $7 billion? Ha, who cares? Look at Hunter Biden and his, his uh, father in China. Oh, but we don't have any proof of that. Yes, we do. We have all the proof anyone who cares to be honest needs. We have all the documents on his own freaking laptop, which have been verified for people that were working with him, who were Democrats that had those, those same emails on their computer. Nothing. The scandal of our Justice Department, the deep state, which I didn't believe in four years ago. My gosh, you've got to be dead and probably voting in the last election if you don't see the deep state. The corruption of our media, our media telling us to deny our own eyes. There's a car on fire and they're like, oh, nothing's happening here. It's totally pe There's a car on fire behind you, but we're not supposed to notice that. Good has been made evil, and evil is made good. They ask you now to don't believe your own eyes, believe us. Our country is being torn apart on the streets by radicals who are marching with no Trump, no Biden, no America signs. But don't worry about that. This is just a peaceful group. Really? Our children are being indoctrinated with all kinds of crap, telling them that they're racist because of the color they were born with. The teachers' unions completely out of control. The lies of Black Lives Matter, Inc., and no one seems to care. No one seems to care that Black Lives Matter is actually a corporation. That Black Lives Matter, on their own manifesto, said they wanted to destroy the nuclear family. But that's all fine. Antifa? No. They're not wild in the streets. That's only an idea. Yeah, kind of like Nazism was an idea. But yet, if you support the Constitution, if you just say, I want a fair and legal count, you're a radical. You're an anti-government zealot. I've had it. I've had enough. I almost didn't make the show last week. Because this is what I wanted to say to you. Except it would have been followed with... So see you later. Glenn Beck, boy, he was on fire when he did that, huh? Uh, and he's, he's right about so much. Much of what we see right now in our world is, is a distraction to keep us not, not looking in the right direction, you know, not looking at what's really going on. Um, you probably heard about this. Uh, in Arlington National Cemetery, which is a sacred, hallowed ground in our country, right? We had a statue it was the Civil War Reconciliation Memorial Monument. Civil War Reconciliation Memorial Monument. Now, they've removed it. They've removed it. They Initially, they, they started to remove it. They had the crane there, and they, they were stopped by a judge. But then, then some other judge came along, uh, somebody who wanted to, uh, who was su supporting uh, the, the left's removal plans, right? He came along and rescinded the other judge's ruling and they took the, the, the monument away. But a little history here, you know, that house originally 
the house on the property where the uh, Arlington National Cemetery is. It was, uh, I believe it was the Custis family, which is, I guess, the wife of Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee lived on that property. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, when the Civil War started and Robert E. Lee went to the South and, and became one of the great generals of the South, the Union forces confiscated his property and figured we're going to make a cemetery out of it. And uh, the general who was in charge of it, a Union general, was a, a General McDowell. And he ordered his men to bury Confederate troops on the property which they did. Behind the house, they buried the uh, the troops, and he came by and he said, no, 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 I don't want them behind the house. I want them buried on his front lawn. So uh, it's obvious to everybody what he has done. And they did. They, they, uh, they took the bodies from the backyard and moved them to the front yard. And, uh, of course, as the war progressed, more body, bodies uh, were buried. Most of them were Union soldiers, and uh, but initially it started out being a, a burial ground for the enemy soldiers. And, and now what the woke left has done in our society is they've gone down and taken a statue which was erected as a reconciliation, it's supposed to be a symbol of a country uniting again and, and forgiveness, right? Uh, that's what the statue was all about. Well, they, they, they moved it and... Uh, they talked about it on the Jesse Waters show last week. Listen. Democrats love destroying statues. Columbus, Lincoln, Washington. If you had anything to do with making this country great, bye-bye. This week, they're trying to bulldoze a statue in the Arlington National Cemetery. It's called the Reconciliation Monument. It was erected a century ago to commemorate the country reuniting after the Civil War. It's a symbol to show we're able to move forward even after a civil war. It's a huge part of the history of this country. But Democrats say, no, we're not moving forward. We're getting rid of reconciliation. Sean Davis is the CEO of The Federalist. I mean, this under, I, I, explain their thinking, please, Sean. Well, I think they're trying to do two things here. One, we know they want to destroy the Constitution. And in order to do that, they have to deconstruct our founding. They have to cast in a racist light all of the founders. And, and part of this Confederate war memorial attack is about erasing the founders so they can erase the Constitution. But it also uh, deals with them trying to erase their enemy, which is why the Reconciliation Monument is their target. It's not just enough to erase the past. They also want to erase their enemy. And this idea that you can ever truly reconcile with a foe, even when you fought a war against. And it's a really awful concept, something that uh, Jim Webb, former Navy Secretary and Vietnam veteran, said, it's an attempt to erase the generosity of the past. Uh, due to the bitterness uh, of the current age. And it's an awful thing we should reject. Well, the Democrats were on the losing side of the Civil War. It, it, does that have anything to do with it? It may. They may want to erase their own complicity in, in what happened uh, with slavery in the Civil War. But I, I think most of it is an attempt to rewrite history so that they can rewrite the future. Recall it was Orwell who said those who control the past control the present, control the past, and those who control the past control the future. They want to rewrite history so that they control the future. Uh, well, I think they should erect a statue of the Democrat staffer. That would make a good replacement there. Sean, thank you so much.
Thank you, Jesse. Sean Davis with Jesse Waters talking about that reconciliation memorial monument removal from Arlington National Cemetery. And people find that hard to believe, you know. I mean, this is something, like I said, nobody was talking about the statue. It wasn't like uh, there was a sign on it that reminded people, you know, of something. It was, it was, it was there for decades without a problem. But then the woke left came along and made it an issue. It was offensive to somebody. But the good news is it's being removed and put in a uh, Virginia State Park. So it still will be somewhere, but not where it was meant to be. Not where it was meant to be, which is, uh, it happens a lot nowadays. You know, we're being distracted everywhere we look, and uh, it's only going to get worse, especially as the world gets crazier, and it will get crazier. There's a lot of talk out there that uh, we can expect a major crisis, a major terrorist attack in our country this year because of the people who have come across the southern border. But will anybody on the left who's allowed the environment to develop uh, be held accountable? Nope. You, uh, you mark my words. I mean, whoever would have thought that uh, an administration, a presidency, would allow us to be attacked on a daily basis on our southern border? Every single day it's happening. And... No talk about it. Nothing to see here. Mainstream media is talking about other silly, ridiculous things. Oh, that bad guy Trump. Never mind the fact that Biden is allowing terrorists and uh, hordes of illicit drugs into our country. Never mind the fact that he's allowing human trafficking to prosper under his, uh, his administration. That's not an issue because, you know, he's going to the Virgin Islands for another vacation because it's been a whole half day since he's been back from his other vacation. It's just mind-boggling. Anyway, um, I'm going to leave you with, uh, before I I bail out on you, I want to remind you, it's been so low today because my cohort in crime, Bill Bill Knight, uh, has been, uh, he's he's away. It's Christmas. These, These things happen. But he plans on being back with me tomorrow. That's the good news. So things will return to normal. We'd like to thank everybody who uh, listens in on a daily basis. We have thousands of you out there. And uh, we remind you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can mail us at uh, mail at itsanotherday.com, mail at jimandbill.com, or you can call us. We have an answering machine. You can leave a message. It's 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. You know, I was watching this piece uh, on social media, and it's so true. Uh, we're what's right is wrong. What's up is now down. What was good is bad. And what was bad is now good in the music business. You see this a lot. There are songs out there, especially, you know, rap songs, a lot of them, not all of them, but there are a lot of rap songs, which encourage violence and despicable acts and they're they're degrading and uh, they're just not, and they're being applauded by the media and by the industry. Oh, that was a great song. Then you have songs like the one by Jason Aldean. Uh, Try that in a small town. They were crucified with that song. I mean, I say they, I mean the the record company and the producers and Jason Aldean. uh, They were crucified for putting that song out because it talked about American values. Essentially what they were talking about in the song was, uh, you know, you can do that in a big city maybe and get away with it, but in our our little town where we kind of know each other, we know what's going on, we have each other's back, and it's not going to happen around here because we're going to protect our values. And uh, for them saying that, 
mainstream media and people in the industry, whoa, they were all over Aldine. He, I think he had all kind of distribution problems. It still was a big hit song. The fact that it was a major hit song uh, wasn't important to the industry. That's the other thing that's crazy about the world nowadays. It used to be that we were, uh, you know, the success of, of a movie or a TV show was based upon audience numbers and revenue. Not so much anymore. I mean, look at CNN. CNN hasn't got an audience anymore. It's cut off most of its uh, its audience, and still they keep pouring money into it, and they keep doing what they're doing because it serves a purpose for the for the left. Anyway, Jason Aldean, I'm going to leave this this program today. I'm not going to do the uh, you know hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here because that's Bill's, you know, and only he can do it with that uh, gravelly voice. So I'm just going to leave you with this. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Voice of Freedom, CRN America.
These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million?